an elderly lady came across an old friend of hers, was talking to her, and the friend said to the elderly, elderly lady, said, how, how are you feeling? How's everything going in your life? I often think of my father when I hear this one. I've heard it before. Just before my dad went on to be with the Lord a few years before, he was still driving. And I could tell that his driving was becoming just a little bit shaky. And so I encouraged him not to drive. And probably for men and women, but especially for men, that's one of the last things I've always heard you want to let go of. And Dad didn't want to let go of it. So I said, Dad, you can only drive at Laura Lee, where he lived in a mobile home park. You can only drive around there. I don't know what I was thinking about the residents there, but I thought he'd be <laughs> relatively safe. And so one day Sue O'Brien came in. She said, uh, hey, Bill, I saw your dad today. And I said, oh, really? Were you out at Laura Lee? And said, no, I was out on the interstate getting gas. And uh, I said, my, are you sure it was my dad? I said, yeah, it was your dad. I, I spoke to him. We talked. So I went to see Dad, and he did very sheepishly as he can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was out there. And I said, Dad, Dad, you just, you just can't do that. So we had a little talk, and he finally gave up the car. Well, that when I hear this story, it reminds me of my dad. And so the lady asked the elderly lady, how's your health? And, and this is how she responded. Uh, she said, well, I don't know. I said, my eyes are bad. I can hardly see what I'm eating anymore. And my hands shake so much that I can't even drink anything hot. My medicine makes me dizzy. And I can't turn my back because I got arthritis. And I can't turn my neck to the left or the right. I said, but thank the Lord, I can still drive. <laughs> That does remind me of my dad. Okay, if you got your Bibles, let's say it. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be reading a couple of scriptures uh, a scripture there and then uh, talking about a couple of things in in the old covenant but i want to encourage all of you at the beginning of this year i felt like the lord uh, gave me a word and uh, for this church going on, onward and upward but also about the continual fight of faith that we're going to be involved in and and the scripture was uh, to uh, have faith in god mark chapter 11 verse 22 and this is the exact word that i that i heard this is a year when my people must be ready for a good fight of faith. Their faith must intensify. Many have strayed in their fight of faith. That mean they're bad people. It just means they kind of strayed a little bit. They're not ready for what is coming. I have great and mighty exploits for my people to do, but it will take ever-increasing faith. I have great and mighty exploits for you, and it will result in victory after victory as you do my will. Don't try to reason, just do what I say. It will all fall into place. No reasoning, just faith. How many of you have some things that the Lord has shown you that you believe you have heard from the Lord and you have stood for them, but you haven't you haven't seen the manifestation of it yet. Can I see your hands? And how many of you have heard some things that they may be a little bit beyond where your mind can wrap around it? Uh, they're just so far beyond you, but you know that you're hearing something. 
and that is out there. And that God does have great and mighty exploits for all of us to do. And that we're going to walk by faith and not by sight to accomplish what God has for us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says that the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I believe, as you probably have seen too, that there is an intensification of demonic attack in the world today. It is the spirit of the Antichrist trying to take the Word of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit, out of the equation so people will just live their lives and que sera, sera, don't make any waves, don't do anything, and not move out with what God has called us to do. And the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well, moving across every nation on the face of the earth, including the United States of America. But I believe that believers are going to stand up, people of faith, people who hear the voice of God and declare the goodness of God as we go forth. But it says that we resist the devil steadfast in our faith. Even though we know there could be some suffering and other things, that there's going to be an establishment of God's promises if we will resist the devil steadfast in our faith. In other words, what did God say? And that settles the issue. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, what did God say? The issue needs to be declared settled based on the Word of God. We know that in John 10.10, 10, it says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. The devil does a good job of what he does. But it says, Jesus said that I've come to give life and give it more abundantly. That we have everything that is needed that we appropriate by faith when God tells us what to do. And that God speaks to everybody and shows us the things that he wants us to do. And what, what it will do, it will be way beyond where we are in our own natural thinking. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. God loves, and I heard Oral Roberts preach this one time at Victory years ago. God loves to fulfill his promises and bless his people, but he does it by faith. If your need move the hand of God, God's hand would be moving all the time on your behalf, would it not? Because you have needs all the time. What moves the hand of God is faith. When we believe what God said and we stand by faith in attracting that thing into our life. Faith and fear are very similar. Faith attracts all the promises of God when we walk by faith and not by sight. Fear attracts all of the demonic forces and powers and principalities. That's why fear is so prevalent in the world. Now, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote almost two-thirds of this Bible, but in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20 and 21, and 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 7, I'm going to share these two scriptures with you, but Paul said that many Christians have been shipwrecked in their faith. What is faith? Faith is merely the foundation of the Word of God in our life that we appropriate, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So that the more word we hear, the better off we are because our faith becomes stronger and stronger to fulfill what God sent His Word for. God sends His Word for His purpose 
we take that word, we call it faith, we live it, we meditate it, we walk on it, and we proclaim it. We, we have a, a miracle that is unfolding, and I can't give you all the details of it yet, but, but God had sent a gentleman to us here uh, from the military. He's the, uh, I'll purposely be vague because he doesn't want any notoriety, but he, he, he's a decorated war hero. But he had post-traumatic stress syndrome and has had it for years and uh, ended up in jail not too far from here. And we were able to minister to him and reach out to him. He hadn't come to this church too much, but he had just really struggled for quite some time. And uh, we were able to get some books in his hand. And uh, the time that he's been in jail has been almost seven months. He didn't want to go to jail and it went on a real minor charge, but, but he was in jail for seven months. And and uh, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go up there and I want you to minister to him and I want you to take him books. And, and, and I believe the Holy Spirit showed me what books to take him. And so he ended up with a huge library up there. And uh, it was it was really awesome to see what has happened as he's read these books. And now he just recently was transported to the VA hospital over in Danville. And he has our VBI, three of our VBI classes, Authority of the Believer, Overcoming Faith and uh, Righteousness. And on the way to Danville, I, I've watched, how many, how many of you know what it's like to watch a flower bloom? Uh, doesn't sound right for a man. There's got to be another Cactus? I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's not a flower, but I, I, I'm watching this guy bloom, and I just, uh, I, I know his whole life story, and it just has touched my heart how this nation, how he, what he did for this nation, and, and, and all of the things that happened. And, and so uh, one day I was sitting up there, and how many of you realize there's a time for righteous indignation? Uh, that's a very weak response, by the way. How many of you realize there's time for righteous indignation? If you're fearful of anything right now, then you're going to be on the sidelines. God's not going to be able to use you because th- whatever that fear is, the devil knows how to trigger it. You're just going to have to get over getting over and uh, and realize that fear, that, that there's no place for fear. But I remember the first time I went up there just before Christmas, and they they told me I couldn't see him, and and I I didn't realize he'd been incarcerated, and so I'm sitting up there with a couple of books, and and I'm we're, we're not going to be around after Christmas, and I know he's really struggling, and I said, well, I have to see him today, and they said, no, you can't. I started to walk out the car, and, and in my spirit, how many of you realize when you hear things in your spirit, and God speaks to you at that moment, and so I went back over. And I sat down, and, and the lady came out, and she said, I, I thought I said you couldn't see him. I said, I'm not leaving until I see him. <laughs> she, she said, no, you're not. I said, no. I said, you have a decorated war hero in your jail. He's here on a real minor charge, and I need to see him today. And she said, well, you can't. And I said, well, go get the sheriff. And she said, the sheriff's not here. I said, well, go get the next guy in line. And so she went back, and finally this guy came out, and he looked at me. He was not very happy with me at all. Because, But then I was dressed fairly nice, so wasn't like, you know, I, I was just somebody or whatever. I, and the, so he said, what is the problem? And I said, you have a decorated war hero here. I've come with some books for him. I want to talk to him. I said, listen, I know you got to screen people, but I am who I said I am. And uh, you just need to let me in to see him right now. And he said, were you in the military? And I said, yes, I was in the Marine Corps. 
He said, well, so was I. And all of a sudden, the whole structure changed. <laughs> they gave me the red carpet treatment, took me back there, didn't, took me past all the screening. And after that, they just let me in all of the time to take books in there. And then when he got finished with them, we gave the books to the other inmates. And I watched this guy bloom. And so on the way to Danville, we're driving over there. And he said, hey, uh, uh, Pastor Bill. And I said, what? just call me Bill. And he said, that's hard to do, but okay. Bill, he said, uh, do all the people in your church read those books you gave me? And uh, I said, well, I wish they did, but I'm, not, <laughs> but I'm not really sure. And he said, well, if they did, they'd all be spiritual giants. <laughs> and he is just eating these books alive as he goes through. He said, I never knew that stuff. And I said, well, there's a point in my life when I didn't either. But I said, if we walk by faith and not by sight, nothing can ever stop us. Because then you get solidified in what God wants. And he said, well, that's what I'm doing. He said, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to change a bunch of lives at the VA hospital. He said, I changed a bunch of lives in that jail. He said, you know that thing that God, that, that I thought the devil did to me by putting me in jail? I said, yeah. He said, I don't think that was the devil. I said, you don't? He said, no, I think God put me in there. He said, I can't tell you how many people I have been able to witness to in that jail. And even the guards came up and and said to me, what do you got, a, a Christian library in this place? And he said, yes. So all of a sudden, what the enemy meant for harm, this guy's faith is getting built up. The devil should be sorry he ever messed with you. Because you are saying and drawing a line in the sand, I'm not leaving till I see this person because this is what God wants me to do. Do you know if you are in the center of the will of God, you are here on assignment from God? Even if you're not in the center of the will of God, you're here by assignment from God. You're just not fulfilling your assignment. And there are some of us today that are in a situation where you can't wrap your mind around what God is showing you. But you can wrap your spirit around it, and you can say, I move out. And, and at the beginning of this year, and it happened long before this year, but especially at the beginning of this year, uh, uh, God has said, don't count the costs like you think it means count the costs in the Bible. God is not saying figure out your finances before you do what I tell you to do. That's not what that means. It means just make sure you know what God has called you to do. And the other day we had a chance... All of you are a part of this, but but we, we were talking to the people in Nepal. We have a chance to build a church over there, an opportunity, I believe, to plant a seed of $8,000. So we said, yes, we'll do it. We're going to build the church for $8,000. And then somebody said, where are we going to get the money? And, and I said, I have no idea, but if God wants to build a church, the money will be there. And we think we may have the money. We're not positive about that. But I, I very flippantly just said, the money is Heather's responsibility. Our responsibility is to make a decision. She's the financial director. Heather, you figured out. God said build the church, okay? Now, I know that sounds funny, But if you're going to walk by faith and not by sight, and God tells you something, don't say, God, I'll do it if I can afford it, because you'll miss the opportunity of what he wants you to do. If God says, go into the promised land, we're going into the promised land. Whatever God tells us to do, God promises you he will take care of what you have need of. Money is never a problem with God. When we went to Tulsa, the only thing we knew Go to Tulsa, and you'll find the meaning for your life. And I remember being out there, and that that one day, 
How, how many of you know that there are certain things that you have done that you know you feel to the best of your ability you did exactly what you're supposed to do, yet you haven't seen the fulfillment yet of what you thought would come. That's like the children when they were moving toward the promised land. They were being blessed continually. But what, sometimes we put the blessings in a perspective of what we think they should be. I thought being blessed by God when I first got saved was to have a new Lincoln Continental. You remember that? That's the first thing I wanted. John chapter 14, verse 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. God, I don't want any more debt in my life, and I want a Lincoln Continental to go along with that. Debt stayed, went down gradually, but the debt stayed. Lincoln Continental never did come. But something else came. Remember that one day, walking by faith, not by sight. Now, this is going to minister to some of you right where you are right now because you're trying to hold on to something you have, and God's trying to tell you to get rid of it or get away from it or move out or do something else. And we had that Pontiac Safari station wagon, and the engine blew up on it thanks to one of our siblings. And uh, But anyway, regardless, and pardon? Sibling. What did I say? Oh, sibling is a brother or sister. Yeah, it wasn't a sibling. It was, our it was John Skelton. <laughs> <laughs> I called I called John from Lafayette. He was he was out there working at UPS and I said, John, and doing some other things. And and I said, John, don't forget that Pontiac needs constant oil. It's got a little problem. Keep oil in a car. He was driving our car while we we're gone. Nah, no problem. Called me up later and said, Hey, that thing broke down on the interstate. And I found out later he didn't keep oil in it and it burned up the motor. So now we got a car that I can probably sell for two or three hundred dollars. The car was in perfect shape, except for the engine. <laughs> Otherwise, Car, car was in great shape. Pontiac Safari Station Wagon. I don't know how many of you remember them, but it looked like a big, look, almost looked like a hearse. Uh, it was that, that big. And I remember thinking, I can sell that car for about two, three hundred dollars, the way it looked, pretty good. And, uh, and we needed the money. We didn't have any money. And, and I felt in my spirit, the Lord said, give it away. Now, we fight. You fight the same fight that I fight all the time. It is a continual fight of faith that will never end. Tell your neighbor, this fight will never end. This fight will never, ever end. God tells you to give a dollar, pretty easy. God tells you to give $10, pretty easy. Right, Larry? God tells you to give $100, Larry, give $100, easy. 1000 he'll just drop that in a heartbeat. 10000 It wasn't $10,000. But we needed that $300. And I knew of a family who needed a car, and the guy was an auto mechanic. And I asked him if he could use that car. And he said, yeah, I'll put a new engine. And I can get a used engine. So we gave him that car. Then, coming out of the Maybe Center one day, a guy sitting in this car that I, when he first bought it, I saw it. And I thought, man, I'd love to have that car. And he sat there with the door open. And he said, hey, Bill. God spoke to me and told me to give you this car. It was a three-year-old Chevrolet Caprice, fully loaded with everything at that time. Oh, I love that car. I've heard stories of those things happen. It was the first time I'd ever experienced a story like that. I believe if we walk by faith and not by sight, all of the blessings will come upon us and overtake us. But if you try to figure it out, how you will become wealthy enough or successful enough to help God you're going down the wrong track. God doesn't need any help. Turn to your neighbor and tell God doesn't need any help. 
What God needs is your obedience by faith to do whatever he's called you to do. And if you do that, you'll be blessed by God. Now, I want to share with you in the time that we have left a story. And and we're going to look in the book of Numbers chapter 13. The Apostle Paul summed up in 2 Timothy 4, 7. We're going to Numbers chapter 13. But he summed it up uh, that uh, I've kept the fight, uh, I've kept the faith, I have fought the good fight. And that I believe that every single one of us have things that we are going to be called to do by God that he's not just trying to stretch us, he's trying to use us so that we can be what God has called us to be. I think about Ed Ward and just got an email from Ed down there in St. Petersburg and he said, I think God wants me to move in. Did you read it yet? Uh, wants me to start the church sooner than I thought. Uh, I don't know what God is saying to Ed Ward, but all I know is that when I'm around people who know what God is saying, I feel very good about it. Because you have to know what God's saying or you can be sidetracked very easily. And, and he feels he knows what he's doing. He's way out behind his, beyond his comfort zone. He basically said that. And but but all of us need to be out there somewhere where we're beyond our day to day grind or our day to day living. I go to work, I get money, then I do this, and then I go home, then I cut the grass, and then I plant the flowers. I'm not describing to me, by the way. And and <laughs> grandson plants the grass, my wife plants the flowers, but I do water the flowers. You see them? They've been watered recently. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, there's so. <laughs> There's so much more to life than having a nice-looking lawn. There's so much more to life than having flower pots all over your house. I mean, wouldn't it be great to do great and mighty exploits when God would speak to us what to do? And he's got all of, his, all of what he tells us to do. There are promises with them that he wants to come upon us and overtake us. Now, I'm going to par- paraphrase a couple of things with you because I kept hearing this word, when I was praying about this message, perspective, perspective, and it's like, God, what, what does that mean? And, 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 and it was like, it's your perspective of a matter or a situation that matters, not the situation or not the matter itself. And, and so I looked it up in the dictionary and I said, well, I think I know what it means. But perspective is a specific view of a situation or a circumstance. It's the ability to see clearly and that sometimes our perspective can become skewed once God shows us things because we start to use our mind. We start to think and and God is speaking to us. The, the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God so that once we have the word, then we release our faith in whatever that word is because the foundation of our faith is the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this applies to every area of your life. If you're in a habit of doing this and a discipline of doing this now, then when he moves us out, it'll become easier and easier and easier, even though you won't be able to figure out what exactly God wants to do. But I remember this time when Pam was getting ready to go to Mexico, and uh, this was several years ago now. This was probably almost six, seven, eight years ago. I, I'm not even sure how long it was. And we were doing the work in the Sudan, and, and, and we really needed a lot more money than what we had. And Pam was getting ready to go to, to, go to Mexico, and I said, Honey, do you have any of the uh, uh, Sudan DVDs to take with you? 
And I think you said, I'm not sure, but she, uh, I think she said, why would I need those from Mexico? And I said, I don't know, but I just felt that in my spirit. Now, how many of you know what I'm talking about when I say you just feel something in your spirit? See, that is what should be fueling your faith, igniting your faith. And and she said, well, yeah, here, I'll take some. So she put some, a couple in her suitcase. And, and, and lo and behold, she's down there in Mexico ministering with some other ladies they're sitting on a veranda and there's a man the husband of one of these ladies there and he or somebody brings up the subject of the sedan and pam says oh my my husband our church is involved over there in the sedan we just recently got involved and he said well i'd like to know more about it she said well i just happen to have a dvd pulled out the dvd gave it to him he went back to his room watched it came back said hey i really enjoyed watching that about two weeks later we get a $16,000 check in the mail for the Sudan. No instructions other, use it however you need it. For a moment in time, God knew there was going to be a door open there, a window open there. If we hadn't taken that DVD down there, we could have missed God's best. Now, could have God done it another way? Sure, he could have, but we could have missed what God had. There are a lot of stories in the Old Covenant and even the New Covenant of how people missed the blessing of God by procrastinating or not being listening, not listening to that still, small inner voice. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I hear the voice of the Lord. John chapter 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I am convinced more and more each day I hear the voice of God internally. That thought process inside your spirit, and you hear the same thing. He's no respecter of persons. We get too busy with our minds sometimes to fight the fight of faith the continual fight and say, I can't figure out how this thing's going to work, but it's going to work. And I remember when we committed to do the uh, outreach with Purdue University. And, and that thing is still on the back burner, by the way, because we need to pray for the peace of the Sudan. They're still fighting over there and having a lot of problems. Inflation is running wild, and they're having food challenges. And thank God we've got some food there in that agricultural project. But, Father, we lift up the Sudan to you. We lift up Pastor Stanley. Thank you for great wisdom. We pray peace over there. Let people come to their senses. And let your glory be felt on that nation in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, so we're, we're this fast forward about five, six years, and we're getting ready to do another outreach. And this one I'd already committed. We needed, with, with Purdue University and everything that was going on over there, we needed $12,000. And I kept thinking and praying that it's all going to come in, et cetera. Well, anyway, make a long story short, we needed $12,000 right up until the end. And I'm just saying to God sometime, how many of you have ever held back from doing something for God based on the money? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't do that anymore. <laughs> God, God, God is the God of the supernatural. But anyway, I just think, God, I don't know what to do about this. And this all I heard, Alaska. That's all I heard. I don't, God does not speak to me in sentences and paragraphs and chapter. I don't know about you, but, oh, Bill, here's what I want you to know. Listen, buddy, I tell you what, this is how I want you to do it, and this is how you're going to do it. It never works that way. I just, I don't know if he's real busy or what, but whatever it is, it's just these things that say, Alaska, and it's uh, uh, Alaska, okay. I had really not even thought about these people. I've never met these people, by the way. Alaska, okay, what do you want me to do? Letter, okay. Huh, well, maybe you want to send me a letter. And then this is what I heard. Don't tell them. Don't ask them for money. I thought, okay. 
Now, that doesn't make any sense to me, but then I'm also not God. And uh, so, so anyway, I, I sat down and wrote this letter, and I just told him, I just felt like I was supposed to write you this letter. We're doing outreach with the Purdue University, and, uh, and, and uh, we... The, the whole project is going to be about $12,000 or something like that. Never asked for a cent. Just said, just to keep you informed, sign my name, sent it. I think it was an email. I think it was an email. Three days later, four days later, I forget exactly what, called back, said, sending you $12,000. Just like that. One moment, we didn't have it, but we were on the edge of our promise. Some of you are on the edge of the promise of God totally being fulfilled in your life and what you're releasing your faith for. Don't back away from it. In Numbers chapter 13, it's a summation of what God was trying to do with the children of Israel. He told them exactly what he was going to do, where he wanted them to go, how he wanted them to do it. And they walked right up to the edge of the promised land. And God had brought out all of the people of Egypt. They had seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Can I see the hands of all the people here? You have seen God do miracles in your life in the past. He's no respecter of persons. He'll do it again and again and again. All you have to do is position yourself for the miracle. And the children of God, under the direction of Moses, went out to the edge of the promised land. They were almost there. They went all the way up to it. And then, as you recall, if you remember the story, Moses said, I want you to send 12 spies in. I want, God said to Moses, I want you to send in 12 spies. He took 12 spies, 12 leaders from all of the tribes, Joshua, Caleb, 10 other leaders, and they went in. I used to preach this that they all saw the same thing. I preached that for years. They all saw the same thing. But God corrected me last night and the night before when I was praying about this message because what I felt the Lord said is, no, they didn't all see the same thing. Twelve spies went in. Two of them came back, and they said, we are well able. They saw all of the giants. They saw everything in the land. They saw the fruit, milk, honey flowing with milk and honey. They saw everything, but they saw the victory. They saw the victory because God said, I'm giving you the land. They were ready to go, and they were trying to inspire the people. That's Numbers 13.30. But in Numbers 13.31, 10 of the spies, and these were good men. These were leaders. These were leaders of their tribes. They came back. They saw something different. They saw fear, doubt, and unbelief because they had walked away from the foundation of the Word of God. God said, I am giving you the land. They saw fear, doubt, unbelief, and death. And when they came back, they turned the hearts of all of the people against them. And it infuriated God. And if you really study in Numbers chapter 14, the ten spies all died of the plague, Numbers fourteen twenty seven. Eventually, one of the greatest tragedies that ever happened, happened. All of the men, fighting men of war, age 20 and up, were sentenced to 40 years in the wilderness, and that every single one of them would die. I never, ever counted how many people that was until God quickened that into my spirit two days ago. Six over 600,000 people died 
because they walked right up to the edge of the promises of God, and they decided that God could not do what God said he would do. Every time we negate our faith and enter into fear and doubt and unbelief, we are basically saying, God, I do not believe that you can do what you told me you can do. Now, thank God we don't live in the old covenant. I don't believe we infuriate God, but I believe we disappoint God because faith is what opens the door for God to bless us, and faith is what pleases God because God then knows that he can bless us if we'll do what he's called us to do. And when the, and, and when the pronouncement was made over the people through Moses, the people then said, oh, we realize we've done wrong. We really need to go into the promised land. And Moses said, oh, no, no, don't go because God's not going with you. God is turning his back on this whole situation because you would not do what he told you to do. But they went anyway, and they were soundly defeated. So not only were the ten spies, they died in the process. I believe they were afraid to die. They turned around and died anyway. I believe the 600,000 men, fighting men of God, were afraid to go in against the Canaanites and everybody else that was in that area. And they, and, and they died anyway because they were afraid of death. The ultimate fear is death. Once you get over the fear of death, you can really live. Once you get over the fear of death and say, hey, the rapture's coming or we're all going to die, why don't we just live and do whatever God has for us to do while we're alive and we can accomplish great and mighty exploits? Let's stand to our feet. God has things for you to do. Some of you are here today, and in your spirit, you have heard things that your mind is trying to dismiss. They're so far beyond you, maybe from an educational standpoint, maybe from a, from a, a financial standpoint, maybe from experience that you just don't know how to do it. Somebody left the first service and they come up to me and they said, I feel like I know what God is telling me to do. And I said, you do? They said, yes. But I would have to leave my profession. Really? Yes. And my profession pays me a lot of money. And I'm living very comfortably. And I enjoy the comfort of my living. And I said, well, you have a decision to make. Number one, you need to determine for sure, is that what God is calling you to do? And if it is, then you need to determine, would I rather be comfortable in what I'm doing? Or would I rather be walking by faith and pleasing to God? As for me and my house, I would rather be in the center of the will of God, totally broke. Sorry. Totally without food and totally knowing this is where God brought me because I know he's going to take care of the finances and I know he's going to take care of the food. When you studied the old covenant, some people ate by a raven. Some people lay slop in a prison, but they all walk by faith and not by sight. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of that Bible. The epistles he wrote in prison. I don't think it was a pleasant experience. But can you imagine what happened to Paul when he arrived in heaven and he heard, well, good, well, good, well done. Yeah. How do you know? You've never been there yet. Well, 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? (laughs) Oh, God, I love you so much. The most important question any of us will ever answer is, do you know where you'll spend eternity? Maybe you're here this afternoon and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. Or maybe you're here and at one time you knew him, but you're not sure. Maybe you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. You've walked away from the Lord. God loves you. He loves you just like you are, but he wants you to spend eternity with him. And all over this church, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I know my life isn't right. I know my life isn't right. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. Yes, I see your hand back there in the back. Yes. Yes. Yes, I see your hand over here. Are there others? Yes, I see your hand. Yes. Yes. We're going to wait just a moment as the Holy Spirit continues to move. Are there others? You say, Pastor, I I know my life isn't right. I am like that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. I I've strayed away, but I love I, I love God. I want to come home to Him. All over this church, are there others? You say, pray for me. Yes. Yes. All of you that lifted your hands, would you quickly come down here? Ushers, greeters, help us. couple right over here, right next to you. Yeah, you two ladies. Give them a hand as they come, both of them here. All the way back there in the back, right here in the center section. Yeah, come on, we can do better than that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stretch your hand out. Stretch your hand out here toward these. There is a plan orchestrated in heaven for each and every one of you. Some of you that are really young, God's going to show you exactly what he has. Some of you that maybe have been through some things in your life, God's going to take that thing and he's going to turn it around. The Word of God says that he will use all things for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let's all pray this together. Every one of you at this altar, I want you to make this confession. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be everything that you've called me to be. With your help, with your leading, I know that I can do it. Father, we thank you for each of these at this altar. We thank you for the plan, the purpose that you have for their life. We thank you that they will fulfill everything that you have called them to accomplish upon this earth in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, would you turn to your left for just a moment? Come on down here. Larry and Melba, give them some instructions down here at the altar. Now, before, yeah, give the Lord a hand. Now, before we dismiss... 
I want to pray for all of you right where you are here real quickly. But how many of you have some things that you feel like God has put in your spirit that you're just trying to sort it out, but it just is so far beyond you, your mind, that, you, you know, you just you can't wrap your mind around it, but you're saying, look, if this is God, I want to do it. Can I see your hand? Just lift it up there real high. Father, you see all of these hands. I thank you that in the name of Jesus, we bind the work of the devil, fear, doubt, unbelief, trying to figure it out, finances, fear of failure, and we declare them null and void. We declare that they will walk by faith and not by sight, that the word of God, your word will be solidified in their spirit, that they won't be moved by a rut that we're in, we'll be moved by the spirit of the living God, and we'll accomplish what you have for us, that you supply every financial need that we have, you supply every direction that we have, you supply the help that we have need of, and that we are going from glory to glory, which means we're going from fight to fight and faith to faith, and that we will continually fight the fight of faith, and we will continually be victorious in that fight in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, let's make this confession. I will continually fight the fight of faith. Give the Lord a hand.